The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to this special two-part episode covering just some of the highlights from Exploring Different Brains in 2019. In this first part, we're going to hear from a handful of the inspiring self-advocates whom we have featured. David Hall. You know, if you look back at the history of the word autism, uh, the original pioneers, the diagnosticians, the people, the researchers who studied uh, this thing we call autism, um, you know, it, we're, we're fairly recent with this, Hacky. You know that. I mean, if we look back uh, even 30 or 40 years ago, uh, th this was almost unknown. I mean, uh, known by a very few people, but it wasn't until, you know, until Dustin Hoffman stepped onto the big screen with Rain Man and began to talk about this thing, aut uh, this thing called autism. And so what happened is that jumped onto the cultural stage and it jumped in onto the stage in a very strange way because Dustin Hoffman played, let's give him credit for playing an autistic person uh, and he studied the role and Steve Silverman knows him and all. I mean, he, he did a he did a good job for what he did, but also he communicated a, a picture, an image of an autistic person that the culture picked up and ran with. So your question is, what what is the one thing that's just that we just get wrong as a culture? And I would say it would be making assumptions that all autistic persons are the same and that that they don't each have unique attributes. This is a huge problem. It, it, it affects everything we do socially, in the, in the job market, educationally. It affects everything. It's pervasive. If we could change one thing, if, and I, this is something I labor to do, if I could change one thing, it would be to show and to showcase and demonstrate that autistic persons, that it is a very big spectrum. And autistic persons are all, each one, unique. Clay Moyle. I, I guess the biggest um, message or suggestion I would have in terms of uh, suffering a brain injury, a head injury, is that um, there, there's a, I mean, I mean, a tremendous amount of information available to us online these days. Uh, it's all at our fingertips. And um, I, I would encourage folks to, get out there and get multiple opinions. Had I, like I said, had I just gone to this local university neurology clinic and just followed their instructions, I, I would just be waiting and waiting. I would just, you know, their, their only recommendation was rest and give it more time. Um, there's some of the, the most beneficial things that I did to uh, facilitate my own recovery were things that um, you, you, I never heard about from a, a neurologist or a doc, my doctor, um, you know, things like functional neurology, uh, those things, those were things that I learned about online or through, um, uh, talking to other individuals who successfully uh, recovered from their own head injuries. William Manzanares. One thing I really want to think that's important to why I believe reading can unlock different parts of your brain, even if you're dyslexic brain or whatever brain is 
when I was looking through, I, I loved history enough to really just pay attention to it. And I noticed the greatest leaders in history were all readers. And I believe that everyone should be reading despite any disadvantage they have. And there's so many workarounds with today's technologies that you can read. Um, listening to audiobooks is reading. And anyone who ever debated me on that, I said, uh, do you want to talk to my friend who's a blind, legally blind copy editor? She reads three books a week through audio. So yeah, well, that's my, my, my workaround with that one. But reading can unlock more. And if a guy who identified, like myself, who identified, or if you identify with not being able to read or I can't read, you're right. But find a way around it. Find a workaround and start reading because it changes something in your brain when you can unlock more and more books. I'm a different person than I was five years ago. I, I, I completely changed and became a positive version of myself, the version I wanted to be through a lot of reading. Um, I want listeners to pick up a book and it, it, what really frustrates me the most is I struggled my whole life to become a reader and those who, who can read without a, a problem, never had a problem with reading, ha haven't picked up a book in a long time. I would hope people could pick up a book and just start reading to help understand the joy, the feelings that I feel, I want others to feel that, even if you have identified not being able to read. That's where I really want to leave any listeners. Pick up a book. Joanne Marianne, to those in our Different Brains uh, audience who might have some anxiety and some depression, what advice might you have for them? You know, the self-recognition sometimes is not that easy. I'm speaking from the heart. Not from a, being a proud person, though that is a lot of people. It's pride. Um, but being able to self-recognize um, is a challenge. Um, you know, it took for me, um, psychiatrist, to diagnose that I wasn't what, what I was experiencing. But if something feels abnormal, um, in any case, especially in mental health, it's always better to seek a, uh, a professional. And when I went through my experience, which really was kind of what I called my explosion day, um, I was working both with a psychiatrist and a psychologist. I used to call this my A-team. Um, and bottom line, don't you want to feel your best? And that's why I think you pursue help um, so you can have the best day every day. Kayla McEwen. What is one great misconception about Down syndrome that you'd like to tell our audience that they might have the wrong idea about? The biggest one would be that we are not capable of doing anything, but you don't have to look far because people with Down syndrome are doing the same things as everybody else. Did you see that young lady golfer that was able to make a paw on the sand flap? It had to be difficult. And old Don Cronin from Don's Crazy Socks, he owns a multi-million dollar company with his dad. And he's a multi-millionaire. And we are holding down everyday jobs. And we are really, really unable to work and have a career because we can drive a car we can go to college and we want we don't want to be paid pennies to do the same job as 
somebody else. So and we want and we are living proof of that. Amy Gravino, tell us what advice you would have for parents of a young female autistic spectrum individual. Well, I, I get questions asked to me a lot by parents of those girls. And I, when I see these girls, because I see them at the conferences or I see them in other environments, I see myself in them a lot. And I just want to protect them and you know keep the world from hurting them because I know what's out there and what's waiting for them. But I also know that if you put somebody in a bubble to ensure that nothing will ever happen to them, nothing will ever happen to them. And that's not how you survive in this world. You do not survive by having no skills and having no knowledge of what the world is really like. So I would tell people, like, my parents did the most important thing that they could do, which was they let me go off and get my heart broken. Obviously, they didn't want to see that happen to me. Obviously, it must have been, you know, the day after I lost my virginity, I called my mother and told her. Like, I'm sure that's not a phone call she thought she was ever going to get, you know, um, from 3,000 miles away. But that, the, you know that's how close that we had become that I was able to confide in her and, and, and tell her that. And so when I got my heart broken and all those terrible things happened, obviously it was devastating. No parent wants to see their child in pain, but you can't learn from mistakes if you don't make them. Jude Morrow. Whenever I was assigning books at the start of the, the, you know, the book journey, I had been doing personalized inscriptions and one of my favorite inscriptions, it's for a small non-verbal child called Kayla. And I thought, I really want to write an inscription that might give hope. And I, what I wrote in the book was, you know, for Kayla, sit back and listen, and one day you will sing. And that may happen. You know, uh, listening is a good thing as well. And of course, I, I didn't do much of that myself. I must admit, I'm not a great follower of my own advice sometimes. But, you know, with patience and love and kindness and determination, we can get there eventually. And I know maybe not every child will have a success story like mine. But knowing that life is precious and there is a lot more help and support out there and Nobody, nobody is alone in this journey. You know, there's so much out there that can help and support parents and play to their strengths. Mine was reading. I read prolifically and wrote prolifically, even as a child, and that was nurtured on me. I wasn't expected to fit in with the crowd or become like other children my age. Trying to become like other children my age was actually a lot more toxic than being myself and expressing myself the way I should have instead of what other people expected me to. Marcy Champy. What I teach about is, first of all, finding out what autism means to you as an individual. What is Asperger's? What is autism? What? How are you going to identify in this world? So what would that mean? That would mean looking for tools, going to books written by actual autistics, blogs written by autistics, uh, YouTubes, your type, your type of um, media that you put out there into the world that helps. Going to those resources and really understanding what autism is about. When I was explaining it to the gentleman yesterday, I was explaining that for, for me, and I hope this isn't offensive, but the way I like to look at it is if someone adopted an individual from a different culture, 
let's say um, a, a black child, you would still want to immerse them, and you were Caucasian, you'd still want to immerse them in their history, in their heroes, in in their culture. And what is happening with neurotypical or non-autistic parents that have autistic children is I think sometimes they're missing the aspect that autism is not only a diagnosis, but it's also an identity and a culture. Haley Moss, what is the biggest piece of advice you might give to someone in our audience who's on the autism spectrum? I think the biggest piece of advice I like to give is first, be proud of who you are. There's nothing bad about being autistic. I mean, it's not always easy. I'm not here to say that your road is going to be sunshine and roses, but I do want to say that you have a very unique perspective of how you see the world and it's beautiful. Nobody can take that away from you. That being said, you also, unlike a lot of other people, are probably incredibly self-aware. So you probably know your strengths and weaknesses better than anyone else. And in that case, I say, explore your talents, know what makes you who you are, and embrace it. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.